You know, when, when God made us, He made us to be in the very image and likeness of God. Nothing less than that. And then man fell through Adam's disobedience. But on the mountain, um, when, when God appeared to Moses, Moses was standing in the cloud. You know, they could even see the fire of God and the fire on the mountain from the bottom of the mountain. So who knows what Moses saw? You know, so, um, and you know, so many times as church we want to see the glory and the fire or the fire of God and the smoke and, and, and the glory cloud and the dust that falls from heaven, the gold dust and all those kind of things. But Moses was standing inside all of that and then he said, God, show me your glory. So he was seeing all those things but then still said, God, show me your glory. And then God says, I will let all my goodness pass before you. And I will explain it to you. And then he said, I'm the Lord God. I'm merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, explaining His glory. His glory is His long-suffering. His glory is His mercy. His glory is His graciousness. His glory is His ability to forgive and not deal with us on the basis of our works. That is the very glory of God. You know, um, the, 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 if, if you would take Wayne Rainey, those of you who know him, he was a, the world champion 500cc motorcycle champion in the 80s. Um, if you take Wayne Rainey, um, his glory was the way he could ride a motorcycle. That was his glory. That was what was hovering over him. That's the message about him. If you say Wayne Rainey, you say motorcycles. That's, that's what you talk about. So, or if you say Kevin Schwantz, you know, same thing. Suzuki 500cc. The, the very same thing with God. When you say the glory of God, what comes up is forgiveness. That he is, the glory of God is God's very ability to make an unrighteous thing righteous without its contribution. That's the glory of God. So if we say we want the glory of God in the house, you know, I'm talking Christianese here now, because that is a completely unbiblical statement. But let's, for understanding's sake, if you want to say I want the glory of God in the house, what, you, what people actually think is we want the cloud. And, and we, we find signs, wonders and miracles. We find uh, um, uh, uh, people falling over under the power without having the glory of God. Because the glory of God is contained in a message. A message about your innocence, a message about your, your righteousness. Moses went down to the people and he had to explain God's glory. They saw the fire, they were scared. They saw the smoke, they were scared. But what it was actually standing for was God's long-suffering. He's so long-suffering that He burns. He's so full of kindness, it manifests as, as light. That's the very glory of God. And then in John, the Bible says, And God became flesh, and we beheld the very glory of God in a human being full of grace and truth and God came in Jesus to bring forth grace God's influence on the human race and reveal the truth about every man so when we look at Jesus we look at grace we look at truth and we have seen the very glory of God now with that in mind I want us just to listen to this song we have seen our eyes, even if you have not physically seen Jesus, your eyes have seen the very glory of God. The Bible says when you see the glory of God, you look in a mirror. You're looking in a mirror. So, and then, that is 2 Corinthians 3. He was talking about the glory on the mountain. So if you see the long-suffering of God, you look into a mirror and you see where the long-suffering was poured out. You see the reflection of His very glory. You're looking into a mirror. Because all of that is already inside of us. Yes, Amen.
راحت تو مصبر بیار بیار beautiful we have the privilege to see God's glory 
His mercy, His grace, His kindness, uh, how He can be good to a sinner. And uh, the wonderful thing is the more we look into that glory, the Bible says, the more we are changed into the very same image and the very same likeness. We see ourselves being transformed into that very same uh, characteristics. So we don't try to change. We enjoy the glory. And then we see the glory manifest in us. Thank you, Lord. We are going to continue today to speak on spiritual warfare. Um, What is spiritual warfare? Now, let me just recap quickly on last Sunday service. Um, Last Sunday service, we spoke about the gates of hell. What is the gates of hell? Uh, A gate is something that allows people in or that keeps people in. You know, so it works two ways. Somebody said on, on, on Facebook for me, said that uh, some farmer said, no, a gate is, you know, it allows, you know, you can enter something through it or you can go out of that gate. So the gates of hell is, is the, the thing that keeps people in bondage or in death or the way unto death. So if you want to enter into death, you've got to go through a gate. Um, now, the Bible where it says, to Peter, in uh, where Jesus said to Peter, the gates of hell shall not be able to stand against the revelation of Jesus Christ. What it was actually saying there was the way unto death. The Greek this doesn't say hell; it says the dead or death. So the way unto death will not be able to keep people in death, and it will um, it, it, it will be it will uh, uh, be taken out of the way. It will not be a competition for what God is bringing forth. Now, we know that the way unto death is the law. Because the Bible clearly says in 2 Corinthians 3 that the ministration of death was written on stones. So the ministry of death, if you want to die, you partake of the law as a way unto righteousness. And that will kill you. Now that law can be ten commandments, many kind of commandments, anything that you place as a standard... To say, if this happens, then I will be righteous, or I'll be blessed, or I will feel victory, or anything like that. That is a law. Now, that is the way unto death. Now, um, if, if we look at, at that, we can easily see what the enemy would use to kill, to kill us. The Bible says that Satan was a murderer, in the Afrikaans it says, a mensa murderer, a murderer of humans from the beginning. So he wants to kill people. Using what? Using the ministry of death. And that was also called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The gateway unto death was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, if you eat of this, you will surely die or enter into death. Okay, now you get physical death on this earth and you get spiritual death. You know, and eternal death. Now, the way unto eternal death is through the message of your disqualification where you need to be qualified by your own ability. Now, that has infiltrated our lives in every area. Our relationship between uh, us and our kids and husband and wife, um, qualification in in our minds, you know. and, and I mean, I'm not going to go into too much of the practical things there, but you will know there's something like, um, you know, if I get this job, then I know God, God's stamp of approval is on my life. That is a law. That will kill you. Because if you don't get that job, then you're going to either disqualify yourself or you're going to become very critical of the people that um, didn't give you the job. You're going to do introspection. You're going to be completely fleshly, you're going to look at all your abilities, the wrongs in your life, you're even going to go so far to kind of look into your past, what have I done wrong, where, where am I wrong? And you, it will be this vicious cycle of sin consciousness all the time. You know, they say in psychology, they've realized that children look towards the future, okay, up until about the age of 19, 20, they are future orientated. Then, uh, in the 20s, they now orientated. And in the 30s, you start to live in your past for the rest of your life. Everything is formed all of a sudden when you hit 30 years, but my mom didn't treat me right. My dad didn't treat me right. Why? I do this for my kids. Why didn't they do it for me? And you start to live in the past. 
because you've got a standard, a law, this is how it must be, and now, why didn't they do it? And that thing brings a break in the relationship with your parents. It brings anger in you. It brings hurt that was never there. Because you become history oriented. You're not looking towards the future anymore. You look at a child, something wrong happens to him today. You say sorry, and it's gone. It's okay. A kind of It's not even an issue. But when we get older, it's as if we want to pick those things up again. Because of a works-orientated mentality. That's just one of the practical things that I, um, that, that I think of now. Now, what Satan wants to do, and this is our spiritual war, he wants to bring in a standard that says, if this happens, then you've qualified. And then you will get into that cycle of death. And you, it, you will never get out of it unless you hear the true gospel. Okay, now, um, that's a little bit on... on Last week, the gates unto death is the law system. Now I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 2 and verse 2. This is Paul's prayer. He prays, he says, I pray. Now a little bit of background on Colossians. The Judaizers came to Colossa. Now the Judaizers, let me put it in Afrikaans. We have some of them today as well. This the verjootsers. Weet nie hoe moet anders nie. It's somebody that... Uh, wants to make you a Jew that wants to get the Jewish traditions into the church it's called a Judaizer so there were Jews that came to the Christians be it Jewish Christians or Jews that, that got saved or Gentiles, especially Gentiles and they came to them and said to them you have Jesus, you believed in Jesus Jesus was these were believers, believing Jews that came to the Gentiles and told them, what you need to do now is be circumcised and follow the customs of Moses. Because the Jewish system, they believed that they were the people of God, they had the law of Moses, they had all the traditions, and then they said, if you want to be part of the people of God, a, a, a Gentile had to go through different rituals to become like a Jew. So they said, the fact that you believe in Jesus is good. Because Jesus came, we know He he rose, we know He brings salvation. But to make this complete, and to make you complete, you need to add circumcision or the laws of Moses, the customs of Moses. And we find these days people putting these prayer shawls. Now I don't say that if you put a prayer shawl, you're under a curse. But if you put a prayer shawl to think God's going to answer you, you're under a curse. Because you think you're in a special thing now. You know, we, we can't do that. That, that. That's a dangerous ground. And this is what the Judaizers did. And that's the background from, from where Paul wrote the letter. Now, this is what he writes. I pray that their hearts, this is the people in, uh, in Colossae, that your heart may be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. To the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now that sounds very complicated, but the moment you read it like a lawyer would read it, you read every word to understand every word, he says, man, I want you guys to be comforted by love. Knit together by love. What love? The love that God has for us. And I want you to have the full assurance of understanding. I want you to have the the assurance in your heart that you lack nothing by understanding what Jesus has done for you. So that when somebody comes to you and says you lack something, you have not arrived, you still need to do these three things to get God to bless you, you still need these four things for you to be set free, That you will not fall into it, but you'll have a full assurance because you understand the gospel. This is what he says there. Let me read it again, and this will be easier to hear now. He says, I pray that your heart, that you might be comforted. How will they be comforted? By being knit together in love. Unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, which is the acknowledgement of the mystery of God. So when we can acknowledge the mystery of God, let's take the word mystery out there because it sounds very mysterious, the gospel, the acknowledgement, when we can acknowledge what the gospel has done for us, 
we will find we will be comforted. We will have understanding and from that understanding we will be comforted. Now this is what Paul says. Now remember, he is basically in a spiritual war here. Because there are people that are trying to conquer the churches. And the way they want to conquer the church and deceive the church and uh, get the church back into death is by, make, by Judaizing them. If we must, today we've got some, some churches that struggle with Judaism, but most not. But if we must make it practical today, it would be something like, if you go to church and you believe in God, then you must see these 20 breakthroughs in your life. And when you see it, then you know. So, reach for the breakthrough, reach for the big numbers, and then you know God is with you and God has done it for you. I've said it many times here, it's like with Jesus when he took the stone, uh, the stone, or when Satan came and says, take this stone, make it a bread. Take your ability and base your sonship, if you're the son of God, base your sonship on your ability to do a miracle. If you can do it, then you know you're the son of God. He brought in a law. He didn't come with ten commandments. All he said was, I take my circumstances as the foundation and the proof of who I am. Amen. It's like uh, the, the, the church we have here. We don't have hundreds and hundreds of people. But, I, I mean, I, if, if the, the, the devil would come to me and say to me, Bertie, grow this church to 500 or 1,000. Then you know, you know, God has called you. Thank God for the wisdom that I've received ahead of time. I will not do it to prove anything. And living in this, I want you to sh sh share this, and I hope you understand what I'm going to say now. Living in this, we, without worrying about big or not big, just living a normal life, this church and the website we have is rated number 300,000th in the world of 50 million websites in the world. Reaching thousands of people all the time. And if it's tomorrow, back to a million or seven million, what does it care? means nothing. The devil would want you to start to use your own power to reach a certain level. The moment you do that, that is his strategy. That's what he wants to use. And the moment you understand the gospel, you understand the fullness of Christ, you'll be comforted by the fact that you are fully righteous, free from manifestation of situations according to what you think it must be. The moment you find that true life, I am what he says. You'll find that true comfort. And that is what he's talking about here. And... I want to guarantee you there will always be a place in your life. It's like uh, Mark, before the service, he said to me he was at some auction. And then there was this wine estate that was on auction. So uh, I think the head of Checkers was there. And he also bid on the uh, wine estate and he stopped at 50 million. Then there was another lady that bought the place for 65 million yesterday. So the guy with the 50 million... The 65 was just too much for him. And then there was somebody else in the world that would pay 300 million, no problem, just to win the bet. You know, even if they lose 200 million, what is it? Because they get billions a month. There will always be a higher, a better, a bigger. And that's exactly, that's the kingdom Satan lives in. You can never fully qualify. The goalpost is always, you've, you haven't prayed enough, you haven't witnessed enough, you haven't shared enough. Even in my life, you come to an end of a year and the accusation that comes from the devil is, Bertie, couldn't you have gone to Zambia twice this year? It is. I'm just sharing practically out of my life. Um, but Bertie, you know, uh, uh, December, you were supposed to go to Zambia, now you've cancelled. Isn't that wrong? What about, you want, to, you want to take a break while people are lost? If you really love people, grace would strengthen you and you can go and preach for another month. 
It's the voice of Satan. It's the voice of Satan. If I go, it will kill me. I can't do it. I can only do what God empowers me. As I taught you guys, how do you hear the voice of God? By being pampered by God. And from that pampering, a desire comes forth. And that is God's voice. Hallelujah. That's how God speaks. So we cannot, our spiritual war is to stay away from thy, you should have, you must have, and all those kind of things. Because that's what the devil wants to use all the time. Colossians uh, 2 verse 8 to 11. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Now, we see philosophy there as the philosophers of this world, but what it was talking about there was, there was Judaizers and people who mixed grace and the law, who had a certain philosophy. Uh, and we're talking about spiritual warfare. There's a philosophy that says, if a child has got a Superman suit in his cupboard, then there's a demon in the house. That is philosophy. It's a philosophy. It's not a truth. It's they, just, they would see a sickness in the house, or they would see a bondage in the house, or whatever, and then they will go and walk through the house, look at what's wrong in the house, and say, let's clean house. Thinking that a physical thing in a house can make you dirty. No, no, this was offered to an idol. This is not a right thing. This comes from, if it comes from Africa or the East, it's full of demons. But Toyota is not full of demons. <laughs> Especially not if you're blessed with a Lexus. There's no devil in that thing. A Hyundai has got no devil. Kawasaki has got a devil, he says. It's too fast. You can see the devil in the thing when it comes past. <laughs> so... It's just a philosophy, a vain philosophy. And what happens is it, is, it is after the traditions of men. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the traditions of men. After the rudiments. Now, I, I wish they would have translated that word rudiments differently because the, the word rudiments, we don't use it. Rudiments means basic principles or basic laws would be the best translation for that word. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and empty deceit after the traditions of men, of the basic laws of this world, and not after Christ. For in Him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of the Godhead, sorry, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So in Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This is very important. The fullness of the Godhead. Now people, <laughs> doesn't say here three quarters. The fullness of God dwells in a human body, Jesus. Okay, right. And you, now the Afrikaans says, and you have this fullness in Him. So he says, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in in Jesus bodily and you are complete in Him meaning you lack nothing the emotion of I lack I lack in how my parents treated me I lack in how they treated my friends treated me at university I lack at how I was treated when I was in Bible school by some pastor or somebody that emotion of lack brings a desire. And Satan will tell you the 20 things you need to do to fill that empty thing and you'll be awfully busy trying to get healed, killing yourself more and more. Amen. Where it says here, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily and you are complete in Him. Now, you might, I'm going to use another example. You might say, Beth, you don't understand. But, but please, the, the truth is truth. Even if you were molested or raped, and you feel there's a lack in my life because of that thing, that's when that thing is really raping you. And really killing you. The truth about your life. The Bible says, we beheld the glory of God. 
And this glory was full of grace and the truth about your life. There's only one truth. Jesus is the truth. What's the truth about your life? Jesus is the truth about your life. Finished. That's the truth. And seeing that brings joy. But what Satan does is he brings situations and then he says apply grace or apply the Spirit to the situation to change the situation so that you can be defined still by the situation. Be it now just a good situation. Yesterday, uh, Tasha and Tanya came in, uh, to our house, <coughs> ate there, and we had wonderful fellowship. So, the, the evening, you know, I was speaking to, um, to Tasha, and I said to him, you know, there was times when I had absolutely nothing. But in the time when I had nothing financially, I mean, in that time I was happy. And now that it goes better, I'm not happier. I've got the same joy. Because the, but in the time when it was, and this is how Satan works, in the time when you had nothing, he would say, the nothing must change to a something, then you know God's blessed you. And when you've got something, he will tell you, this something is the sign that you are the blessed of God. It's the same death. Same death. The one might just be a little bit easier in this life, but the end result is the same legalistic, judgmental, death-producing fear in your life. And that is what, he, what, what, what Satan wants to do here. He says, uh, Paul comes, and we're going to get to spiritual warfare, because he talks about a war here a little bit on. He says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Spoil doesn't mean to, like, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. The English doesn't say, the Afrikaans says, the letter of accusation plus its laws. So there's an accusation letter where you have been guilty, and then the laws that you have broken. Both of these was put in the body of Jesus. First the accusation came upon Jesus when he was baptized in the Jordan River. He took the sin of the whole world upon him. Then the man who sat on the, uh, 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 that was walking around there, everybody was innocent in a second when Jesus came out of the water. For he took all sin of all man upon him. And then the law, he was born a man under the law, plus the accusation and your guilt was put on him. He was nailed to the cross. And then it says here, in that way he triumphed over Satan. So how did God defeat the devil? By, 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 by taking the law and your accusation and your guilt away. So the spiritual war that God was in was to see you and bring you to a place of innocence because of Him. So what is our war? To stay in that place. Not by our works, but by our belief. To believe what has happened upon the cross. Listen to what he did to powers and principalities. He says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way by nailing it to us. I want to tell you, the law is contrary to you. It's contrary to, to, to the design of a human being to be defined by what happens to him in this life. It's contrary to how we function. It is a killer. Amen. Imagine I must find my identity on how many likes I get on Facebook. That'll be the sh stupidest thing. If I must get my identity on how many comments I get on my post. You know how sick it is because you will get 30 comments where people say, I love what you say. And then you'll get 400 comments where people fight with each other. And then you'll say, I feel very good because I had 400. But it was just a fight. <laughs> people talk a lot when they fight. And they say what they don't mean. Yeah. You define your life on people that's against you. How can it be? It's, it's sickening. 
So he says here, sorry, I missed the, the place where I was here. And having spoiled powers and principalities, he made a show, a show openly of them, triumphing over them in nailing the law and your sin to the cross. So how did God triumph over Satan? In taking the law away and nailing your sins and killing your sin in the cross. That's how he conquered Satan in your life. He conquered every definition. When he ended every definition of disqualification on the cross, on your behalf, Satan lost his power. When he took all condemnation, nailed it to the cross, Satan lost his power in your life. In the very same way. So if we are in spiritual warfare, let's get away from binding the devil over the town. I mean, Mark Vessels was with us when we walked around that town. You remember we walked around Richie and Tammy was there as well. She was with me in Bible school. I mean, we were there. We thought we did spiritual warfare. We, we exercised, man. There was no spiritual war. It was tiring, she knows. Yeah, so I mean, let's get out of that. Let's get out of spiritual warfare as fighting the devil in some way. The spiritual war has been won. And the challenge we have is to continue in the victory by believing in the victory. What Satan want to do is take circumstances connected to your victory and then define you as defeated and give you 20 things to do in how to get out of that. That will kill you. I spoke to a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine yesterday. Come to the end of the year and um, he gave me a call. And we were talking about ministry. And uh, he said the year was very good and everything. We talked about next year. And then I heard, you know, the, the inclination is to grow the ministry next year. So I said, no brother, we can't do that. We're not into growing a ministry. Why do we want to grow the ministry? A plant grows by itself. It's going to grow anyway. That's not the vision. The vision is simply to stand in the victory we have today. What happens if the internet dies tomorrow for some reason? You know how fragile that thing is. They run that information through a wire as thick as a hair. If that thing breaks in the middle of the ocean, there the whole ministry is gone. And your identity. <laughs> and that's... Uh, fragile human things is where we want to... And I mean, we come to a conclusion. Listen, man, let's just rest in who God is, do what comes naturally to us, and live in who we are. Simply. Simply like that. So Jesus conquered the devil by disarming the devil. He disarmed powers and principalities. How? By nailing the law to the cross. Disarmed doesn't mean he chopped off the arms. Disarmed means he took the armor away. He disarmed Satan by nailing accusation and the law to the cross. And at the cross he died. It was buried. And then when Jesus was raised, He was not raised with the same body. He was raised with a glorified body where the Spirit was the life of the body and not the law. So that body of death has died forevermore. If a demon manifests in somebody, we cast it out. Jesus did it. But Jesus never went, look into my eye. <laughs> I heard about ministries where they, they take a torch and they look into your eye. That was because you, you, these, this is a polygraph machines. was not. So, how do you know if a guy lies? You ask him, did you check any pornography? And if the eye becomes bigger, he's lying. And that's what they do. That's extreme, but that's how far the thing takes it because we are so sin conscious because this person cannot walk in victory because he must have a hidden sin. The whole concept is worldly. If you've sinned, 
you will have this and this and this wrong. The grace message says, even if you have sinned, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Those who believe it, partake of it. That's a heavenly principle. Glory to God. Isaiah 9, talking about the birth of Christ and how He conquered the devil. This is a prophetic word of the birth of Christ. It says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has the light shined. I just want to cry when I read that verse. You have multiplied the nations and not increased the joy. They joy before you according to the joy of harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, and the rod of the oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Oh, I must explain that to you today. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace shall there be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever and ever. The zeal of the Lord shall perform this. This is an awesome, <laughs> this is an awesome verse. He says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Then he explains, colon there, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Now what is the shadow of death? I think I've explained here before. If you take death here, and you put a light here, and you shine the light, then the death will show through a shadow. That is darkness. Now, we know that the ministration of death was written on stones. So if you were standing in the shadow of the law, okay, that's the land of the shadow of death. The, the, the Hebrew people years ago, they called the, the land of the shadow of death a place where you would plant fruit, you will plant things, but it will not grow. It's like a curse on the land. That's where the law is. You plant effort day and night, but just before the fruit comes, the ding will not fruit drawing. And the goalpost is moved all the time. You just cannot attain to that place of perfect perfection. You're always disqualified. That's the land of the shadow of death. Is where you stand under the shadow where death, death is before you. It's blocking the light of the revelation of God. But then Jesus came and He nailed that law to the cross and took it out of the way. So you don't stand in the place of the shadow of death anymore, but God's glorious light is shining on everybody now. Why, did, why could He do? And then He says here, the oppression, the yoke that was upon the people was broken because a son was born. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we want to break the yoke of ourselves. Because a son was born. And this yoke will be broken when the son is born. And it doesn't say, and your zeal shall perform this. It says, and the zeal of the Lord shall perform this. And it has happened 2,000 years ago. So here he comes. The yoke will be broken off your back. Like in the day of Midian. You know what the day of Midian was? The Midianites had the people, you know, in bondage. And then Gideon came. And he wanted to go and make war. Then God said to Gideon, you've got too many people. Tell all those that are scared to go home. And the reason why there's too many is if you win the battle, you will say you won the battle and you will not know that I won the battle for you. So let's make it impossible for you so that when the battle is won, that you could say God did it. Okay, it's because and, and that's so many times, you know, you've got all your 20 things on how to get free from, de delivered from a certain thing. Listen, man, your ability will never be enough. God does it. So here he comes, and, and this is the true context of that verse. Here he comes, the day of Midian, what did they have to do? Eventually there was just 300 people. 
all they did was they took a, 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 like a, so a, a pot, okay, pot with a light, and they took a trumpet or a, 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 a yeah, let's say a trumpet, and they did. They surrounded the place. They blew on the trumpet and they shouted the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. Now there was a reason why they shouted that because the enemy had a dream about it, and then they knew, oh, here's the trouble. Okay, so they shouted that. The sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. The same thing. God's sword is my sword. When he conquered, I've conquered. Okay? They blew the trumpet, they broke the pot, and they stood with the light, and everybody ran away. <laughs> the zeal of the Lord broke the yoke. He said, in the day when we will receive freedom from bondage, will be like in the day of Midian. The day of Midian. The day of Midian is when we, free from our effort, are set free because unto us a son was born. A child was given. And then it's, or a child was born, a son was given. A child was born, I want to explain this, a child was born, a little baby, but a son was given. What does a son mean? A son means a co-heir of God. Somebody who inherits the fullness of God. Here Jesus, a little boy, is born, but mankind becomes the heirs of God. Because when the man Christ, Jesus, inherited the fullness of God, it was on behalf of every human being. And that's how he conquered the devil. That is true spiritual war. And we are not warring against the devil. The, the, the weapons of our warfare, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, is bringing confusion in the enemy's camp. He even says there, I don't have time to read it all. He says, when the true gospel is preached, it will be a confusing noise in the enemy's camp. When you come with grace, the Lord Church is confused. He's confused. He will even say you bring confusion. But that's exactly because the noise is a confusing noise. So you are saying that you are holy, yes. But you are saying that you don't have to live holy to be holy, yes. Uh, um, so you are saying you can just go and sin, no. You know, now that's confusing now. So you are saying that you can live holy without a law, yes. But how will you know to live holy? Those that are born of God is like the wind. They don't know where they go, but you just find, you see the effect. We don't know where it comes from, but we see the effect of God in our life. Oh, that's very confusing now. <laughs> the victory comes with a confusing noise. That's what it says. The victory will be like in the day of Midian. Thank you, Jesus. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Oh, hallelujah. You know when God told Adam, Adam... I give to Adam and Eve, he gave dominion. That dominion doesn't mean you can just kill everything as you like or whatever. That dominion to me, this is my, the way I see it, meant that he gave them the ability to be the re representatives of all of people. Okay? So what would be true in them would be true in every man. Then Jesus, then they, as people that ruled, came and sinned and brought defeat to every person but when Jesus came he stood up and when he was born all authority was given to him the authority over your life was in him is when you get a new president in the country all authority over you is given to him is given to the government the government tomorrow decides to lock you up what can you do they're going to lock you up if they tomorrow decide to become communists you under them. You can do nothing because authority has been given to them. But it says here, to Jesus, all authority has been given over us forevermore and He establishes His kingdom, which is righteousness, peace and joy, not by human effort, but by the Holy Spirit. As a free gift, He establishes His kingdom and to the end, there will be no end to the growth of His kingdom. Glory to God. And that is how God came in Christ and conquered the kingdom of Satan. I love that last part. It says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform 
this, and that's not a prophetic word anymore. It's a fulfilled word. For this was prophesying about the birth of Christ. What I do on Christmas Day, you know, on the 24th, the evening, I get my family together. This time my sister will be there with her kids, and we get everybody together. And then I share the Christmas story. This part. Telling them about their innocence and about their victory in Jesus Christ. The gift of righteousness. How Satan was conquered by taking the world system of do's and don'ts out of the way. If you read the end of Colossians, he says to them, listen, I want you to understand the gospel. I don't want you to be worldly. He writes, he says, why are you worldly? Submitting to things like touch not, handle not, do not. Worldliness is defined by touch not, handle not, do not. Why are you worldly and not spiritual? Believing in what is done for us. So our spiritual war, the weapons of our warfare, if we think of the helmet of salvation, it's the mindset of being saved by what Christ has done. That is what protects you. Believing in how He saved you from the law as a way unto salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. What is the breastplate of righteousness? It talks about also the the, the breastplate, because Paul calls the breastplate of righteousness, I connect it to the the breastplate worn by the um, high priest. In the breastplate was made out of gold. Inside was the twelve stones, talking about the church of God, which is on the heart of God. So if you've got the breastplate of righteousness, you've got the doctrine inside your heart that you believe that you are on God's heart. Amen. In gold, talking about divinity, that you are laid into God's divinity with great beauty. When His light shines on those precious stones, the beauty, your beauty is reflected unto Him. That is what protects your belief about who you are. Amen. Inside that was the Urim and the Thummim. Remember that teaching I gave on the Urim and the Thummim. Urim speaks of light. Thummim speaks of innocence. Urim starts with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Thummim starts with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. In Greek, Alpha Omega. So the two stones, which was like dices, any advice you needed was given by these two, two stones, which was the Alpha and the Omega, the light of your innocence. So your heart is protected in your spiritual war by the belief of the light of your innocence, of your value laid in God's divinity, freely given to you by Jesus. For unto us a, son was bo- a child was born, a son was given. We are the co-heirs with Jesus. Amen. Let's not be like the elder brother that could not believe that he's inherited. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If we look at, if we look at the, 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 our loins girded with the truth. Loins, the Bible says, and Abraham and, and uh, um, Levi was in the loins of Abraham when Abraham paid a tithe. Meaning he was still just a seed. It talks about your uh, uh, procreative power. So that which can bring forth fruit in your life is protected by the truth. Gird your loins with the truth. Gird the ability for you to bear fruit in this life by the truth. What is the truth? It is the message of your innocence. Jesus is the truth about you. The truth about mankind is not contained in the worldly system of touch not, handle not, do not. The truth of mankind is contained in the heavenly principle of God's represent, God representing every man in Jesus. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. As long as what you've got a body, His body represents your body. And the fullness of God is in there. And you are complete in Him. Hallelujah, man. This kind of a message puts religion out of business. <laughs> I end off with this verse. Verse... Uh, 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 Isaiah 40, it says, Comfort my people. Comfort ye my people, says the Lord. Speak comfortably unto Jerusalem. Cry unto her that her warfare is over. 
that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received of the Lord's hand double for her sins, which we know that was on the cross. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall, shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it in a moment. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Let me tell you, all flesh has seen the glory of God in this manner. That when Jesus was upon the cross, the goodness of God was revealed to every human being. In the bringing innocence and acceptance to every person. You are loved by God. We've come to the end of this year. We've come to our festive season. This is a time, as in the rest of the year, where we think and live in the light of innocence. Our spiritual war is not, is there a demon behind every bush? Our spiritual war is to continue in the truth. The Bible says, having done all, stand. In other words, everything we do is just to stand in this truth. That's it. Thank you, Father. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that I can pray for every person here. I can pray for every person watching by the internet. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so deeply. Thank you that we know unto us a child was born, but a son was given. When Jesus was born, sonship was offered to us, being a co-heir. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you remind us of our inheritance all the time so that we not as the elder brother that we work for what we've already inherited or like the younger brother throw away and see as valueless what we've inherited. Thank you, Lord, that we can hear the truth and value it. Because you're a good God that reveals the truth to us in Jesus. I also come, Father, and I pray for every person that is here and watching by the web. And I thank you, Lord, that in this festive season that they experience your love. And the fact that you are close even inside them. That Christ in them is the hope, the expectation of even an immortal body in the return of Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that, my God. Thank you, Father, that you love us. I thank you, Lord, that there's safety over every person's life, protection over every person's life, that there's a sensitivity in everyone's heart to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit showing us, you know, what to do and where to go. Thank you, Lord, that we have been made righteous by Jesus. What a glorious glorious gospel our eyes have seen the glory of the Lord you were nailed to the cross the letter of our accusation plus the commandments that made us guilty was nailed and died and you rose up with the light of our innocence and we accepted I want you right there where you are as you experience this persuasion you just accept as you feel it arise in your heart and you feel, man, I can accept this. This is your day of accepting the fact that you're accepted. Thank you, Father. It's a time when you, 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 you reconcile with a God who has already reconciled you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. I want to just thank everybody here, you know, just for the blessing that you've been to Helena and uh, my sons, our family, in this year. Um, just your friendliness, you know, the love that I see in your, in your eyes, you know, and, uh, uh, and the way you treat us. Thank you so much for that. I want to thank every person also via the web. 
um, people that send me mails where the ministry has blessed you, everybody uh, here and over the internet that has uh, contributed financially towards the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity. Um, what a blessing to know that I can, without worries, uh, financial worries, just preach the gospel you know, and bring the message of grace to people. You're a great blessing. Thank you so much. If anybody needs prayer, I will be here praying for people. God bless you.